This episode is about sexual assault and contains mature themes such as sex. It was just very like, why why am I in this body? Why, why am I so big? Like I even have stretch marks on my breast, like what's going on? The, the, I was more hurt by the fact that you, I allowed you to continue to have your way like that with me. But then why did I do that? But it was mostly because I didn't think like sex is something that I should enjoy. It was something that I wasn't a participant, but I was just mainly there for the person to enjoy them. That was it. I think that experience has taught me to love myself no matter how I look. Like as long as I love me, then what you say doesn't really matter to me. So yeah. This is Sisipo. My vision is for South African women to experience sexual liberation. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And then one of my friends in, in 2016 sexually assaulted me. That is when I really experienced rape culture, the way South Africans have been socialized, how I was sexualized because of the way my body looks. That whole experience, and I'm not one to like romanticize traumatic experiences because good things come out of them. I feel like I could have done without it. Um, I learned so much through how our friends and my friends responded to that situation. Everyone, I just want to ask, those of you who are nervous for conversation, raise your hand. I'll tell you now what conversation is about. Okay. Those of you who are nervous for dancing, raise your hand. Okay. Sissy Poe has always loved to sing and dance. And two years after she was sexually assaulted, she decided to create a safe space for women to come together, heal, talk, share, and move their bodies. Uh, let me quickly give a background of what Wild Thoughts is for those who are here for the first time. Um, I started Wild Thoughts in April 2018. Um, I'd always liked dancing and watching like Instagram videos of like the girlies in LA doing their thing. Um, and I wanted to do something like that. Um, but also I wanted it to make a difference. So that's why it's not just, we're not just here, we're going to dance and then we go home. That's why we tackle topics, more often than not topics that are um, that affect women, uh, sometimes they affect everyone, but this is a safe space for women, specifically. Bear with us, a group dancing in the studio next door got a little rowdy, but it'll be over just now. Today's topic is about our relationships with our physical body. Alright, that's what today is about. Um, we, we've done sessions on relationships with moms and daughters, it was hectic. Uh, dads and daughters, we've done consent, we've done, no, we've actually covered a lot. Like, we've covered side pieces, sneaky links, um, situationships. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's heavy. We laugh, we cry, we do it all. So that's what Wild Thoughts is about. So today we're talking about our relationship with our bodies. I want to go around the circle, so sorry, one more time. I just want you to rate your relationship with your body, okay? This is what I want you to consider when you give your rating. All right. Once a month, about 30 or so women gather in a dance studio in Randburg for the Wild Thoughts experience. For the first half of their time together, they sit in a circle on the floor, getting to know each other and discussing the topic of the day. Then they get up and dance it off. The group votes for a song via Instagram poll. 
and Sissi Paul choreographs a dance routine for them to learn. Wild Thought sells out every month and the classes are a mix of friends, regulars, newbies and first-timers. The women range in age from their teens through their 40s and upon request, Sisipo also hosts special sessions for older women. The dancing aspect of it was because I love to dance and I thought I want a dance class, I want to teach dance, I want something like this in South Africa. So I started it but I was like how can I make it meaningful? And that's the, the first half of Wild Thoughts, the topics that we talk about, the things that we unpack. Wild Thoughts has also been a place for Sisipo to process her own trauma. I sometimes think about it and he was someone I trusted, that my mom trusted, that my, like he was a close friend. So much so that I was sleeping over at his house that day. And he sexually assaulted me like a few feet, do we even use feet in South Africa, a few feet away from his own girlfriend. Sometimes I still think about it and it's still mad. Like I can quote things that I heard from people who claim to love me as a result of that. And I lost friends as a result. I got closer with some friends as a result. Some believed me, some thought, some straight up asked, is there nothing you did to sort of make him, to encourage him in that way? Um, his girlfriend said to me, but you know, Sisipo, you have a really high sexual energy and I think you, you sort of need to find a way to channel it better. And I'd never heard victim blaming that eloquent in my life. Like I've heard, what, what were you wearing? I've never heard your sexual energy is so high and you need to channel it. I said, hey, how are you? <laughs> like, that whole experience, how far people will go to do everything they can to dilute holding men accountable like rather than say this is a horrible thing he shouldn't have done this they went all kinds of ways to try and make sense of because they would they would rather deal with maybe he cheated on his girlfriend rather than he's a sexual predator so it became him and I hooked up to a lot of people that him and I hooked up that you two did this whereas it's like no we didn't hook up but I get why you needed to you need that to be the story so that you can sleep better, so that you can process it better. I, I mean, I got extremely, extremely uh, depressed. I gained quite a bit of weight after that. Um, and I think I was quite, I mean, I didn't realize that people sexualized me that much. I've always been aware that I've got a bigger behind and it's something that people have always noticed but I didn't realize that it's something that people, it, I had always felt that people complimented me on it, but I didn't realize then it could also be something that people use to try and make sense of trauma because someone has violated my body. That my body had been that sexualized that that's the thing that they came for. In the circle, the women take turns to talk about the memories and people that have had a lasting impact on their relationships with their bodies. I have a very specific memory at the age of 10. We went on a Zulu camp thing for, for school. Um, and it was in case it was very hot. You know, everyone's in their shorts and like crop tops and stuff. And one day I walk out of my shorts, my t-shirt, the one teacher pulls me aside. Yes, of course. She pulls me aside, tells me to go change because I'm a bit bigger, so my shorts are tight and the men are looking at me, so it's not appropriate. So that's when I realized that my bigger body was a problem. I always knew my body was bigger, but I was like, eh. Yes, it was just my body. I wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, if you are having sexual intercourse and it hurts, 
you're in pain. Do you acknowledge the pain and ask the person you're having sex with to stop? Or, and this is not, this is consensual sex, it's in a relationship or even not in a relationship, it's consensual. You're happy to be there. Um, do you acknowledge what your body is feeling in that moment, whether it's vaginal dryness or whatever it is that's making the sex uncomfortable for you? How comfortable are you asking for the sex to stop? Let's do it this way. If you are uncomfortable asking for the sex to stop, please raise your hand. Like if it's hard for you to say, yo, I'm like, So everyone else, you, you have a, 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 a relatively decent time being able to say go. Okay, I'm gonna raise my hand too for discomfort. I'm not comfortable telling someone to stop. I romanticize sex because of how it is presented in movies, but in church, it's a sin to have sex. And so I had that war within me, which when I would have sex resulted in physical pain. And then, because now every time I would engage sexually, even if the partner is different, that pain comes, then it became a thing of now I thought I'm the one who's bad at sex and I have an issue with sex. And to please that other person, because romanticizing sex in movies, it's supposed to be so glamorous and, you know, <laughs> I want them to feel pleasure because I don't want to look like I'm the one who's broken. But it took, a long time to get to where I am now and I still need to go even further. So as you know, um, through the whole the whole journey, I thought I could also be vocal and, and say, I don't want this, I don't want that. But finding myself engaging in a sexual space and then I'm done, I'm like, I'm bushed. Even Sophie's like, girl, we, I participated, I'm good, <laughs> Sophie. <laughs> you know, and then you find that your partner wants to continue and then they just keep pushing and pushing and you give in and you can tell that you're still in pain, you know, but you just put up with it. So for me, I learned that it's a boundary thing. Um, the, 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 I was more hurt by the fact that you, I allowed you to continue to have your way like that with me. But then why did I do that? Then am I now not really equipped to speak about a boundary because you crossed over a boundary that I had. So I'm still trying to figure out why I had to put up with that shit. So, but I did. Like Sisipo said, they've discussed almost everything at Wild Thoughts. And one of the hardest topics for her has been grief and loss. That was a session she held after suffering a huge loss in her own life. And it was during her own time of need that she discovered the true strength of the sisterhood she's created. Welcome to Golden City. I'm your host, Zanel MG, and I love a good story. This podcast is a collection of the greatest stories I've ever heard about the city of gold, Johannesburg, South Africa. In each episode, you'll meet a different Joburger who will tell you their own true stories in their own words. All the ups and downs, adventures, lessons, wins and losses that make life in Joburg truly interesting. This concrete jungle may not have mountains or beaches to compete with the natural beauty of other South African cities, but the diverse and amazing people who call Johannesburg home make this golden city shine bright. What a story. How do you feel about that? Tell me more. I still feel like I'm finding my feet in Joburg, and it's still weird to navigate.
I don't know. I just don't, doesn't feel like I'm made for Joburg sometimes. It just, it's strange. I feel small in Joburg and everyone is just busy and I don't know. Sisipo grew up in Pretoria and when she moved to Joburg about two years ago, it was for love. So I shot my shot. Someone at Wild Thoughts wants me to do a session on shooting shots and I keep avoiding it because what do they want me to say? So he, I saw him on a um, TV show and he was my physical type. I have a thing for big shoulders. I don't know what it is. I love a man with big shoulders. And I just thought he was a cutie and I thought, oh, he's cute. But I was like, you know, I'm going to try to shoot my shot. And he was like known on Twitter for not being about relationships, not being about Njolo, leave him out of it. He wants nothing to do with it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try um, so I shot my shot on Instagram and his comments <laughs> and, um, he engaged with my first shot and then I shot another one on another post. And I think by the third time I shot my shot, he requested to follow me. And I was like, yes, I think the, the first time I ever spoke to him on the phone, I was so nervous. He said, I think I'm ready for like a, a phone call. So it was a couple of days after talking and we spoke on the phone and I was so nervous and it was awkward for the first three minutes. And then we ended up speaking for an hour and then... After we dropped the phone, he sent me a message and he said, I can't wait to love you. And I was like, ah! Sisipo saw Liseko on TV because he was a popular celebrity chef and author of a cookbook. For their first date, they went away for a weekend out of town. Things continued to move quickly from there. Because my mom decided she's done with Joburg after the years that she's been here and she wants to go back home. She wants to go to East London. And I was like, okay, not for me, but, you know, cool. He was like, yeah, look, come stay with me and we will, we will figure it out. We'll see what we do. And this is four months into the relationship. We hadn't spent that much time together because it was still COVID. So him and I started dating in November 2020. And I would see him on some weekends. I always like tested for COVID uh, before I went to see him because he um, was diabetic. So he always wanted to be safe. It was just him and his dog, Porridge. And... So I'd visit them on some weekends. I'd spend weekends with him and then go back home. So we hadn't spent that much time together. And then when my mom said she's moving, he said, let's do it. Let's live together. I said, okay. So I moved in in March. We, we were honestly always in the house. Um, he was doing up, like renovations and upgrades to his house. And he sort of let me take over in terms of what I wanted and the tastes that I wanted. Because he was like, this is going to be your home. We got into a really good routine. We went on trips together. That was what we did. He loved to go camping. I hated it, but I did it for him. We went on a camping trip. We went on a trip for my birthday. We went on a trip for his birthday. We never went on a proper date, like to a restaurant because of COVID. But we we were really happy. We were in our routine. It was just, it, honestly, I, I was happy every day. I woke up every day and I was happy. We would watch Come Dine with me together in the afternoons. I'd never been with someone as intentional as he was. I was very clear about him from the beginning. I never doubted him. And sometimes I, I think, and I said this to my therapist, I wonder if I'm over-romanticizing it because he's passed away. But it's not the case. I remember in real time feeling very secure, feeling very safe, never doubting anything he ever said. And just, he was just intentional about our relationship every day. Like, I never felt taken for granted. Every morning, he would make me porridge or make me a cup of tea if I had a headache. Or if he ever got up, he would ask if I need anything. So he was always 
very clear about me and he would even say it with words that I don't need anything else. This is, this is it. This is it for me. So, I don't know, we just had an amazing time together and I'm sort of, I'm really glad that we took that leap and lived together. Almost like we only had so much time together and I think we spent it doing amazing things, even if it was just a day at home, cooking together or whatever. I think his throat was hurting like on a Saturday and he, I'd never seen him uncomfortable or sick or anything so I said he needs to go to the doctor like the Monday I think when his throat was still sore on the Sunday I said okay doctor on Monday and he thought it was just a cold or tonsillitis and the doctor said I'm gonna test you but you have COVID um and yeah indeed he did and I, he, he was waiting for his results and he was just getting a little bit sicker. And I, he asked me if I wanted to, you know, leave. Like if, if, he, if his result comes back positive. Because I'd had COVID before, before I even met him. And I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And he was like, I don't want you to get COVID again. And I was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. So I, we spent that week... Um, he was on a lot of meds and I was looking after him, doing my best. It was a very stressful time, but he seemed okay. And just one day he just was not, he just seemed sicker. I just remember the last night we were in bed together. He just held me tighter than ever before. And he held me every night we were in bed, but that night he just squeezed me a little bit too tight and it made me feel like maybe he's scared. So that's when I decided, look, it's time. Maybe we go to a hospital. And he didn't want to. And I insisted. And I called around. I think it was, was it a sun? It was a Sunday morning, like 2.30 on a Sunday morning. Was it a Saturday? It was, it was a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning, 2.30 in the morning. We drove to the hospital. And I left him at the hospital. I was there for a bit while they were checking him out, getting x-rays and so on. And... Uh, the doctor said, look, just come back in a couple hours. Um, and I I was like, okay. I, he was still awake, just on oxygen. I said, I love you. He said, he loves me too. And I went back to the house. And for the first time since he was quite sick, I slept. I actually slept. And I woke up around... No, I got back to the house and I started cleaning. And... Um, Around 10, I took him some things to the hospital because we just left in such a hurry. I thought, okay, he'll be there for a few days. I brought him some things. I got him some snacks, dropped him off at the hospital, came home and slept for the first time. Yeah, I never thought he... You know, I was definitely scared. I remember after dropping him off at the hospital, I was scared all the time. I couldn't get through a task without crying, like... I just had this big fear that now he's not in, he's not here in front of me. But I was also just like I know I'm going to pick him. I'm going I'm going to pick him up at some point and he's going to come home. But I had yeah. He was in hospital one night and yeah, it's crazy. And the last time I heard his voice, he called me because Take a Lot was delivering something he had ordered. And they were at the gate and I couldn't hear them because I was asleep. So my phone rang and he said, hey, take a lot at the gate. Sorry to disturb you. And I was like, no, it's okay. I opened for take a lot. And 
this is this is still Sunday now, and we're texting still all day. I'm letting him know some random things. Cyril was addressing the the country, so I told him what Cyril was saying, and um, yeah, we texted a little, and then I went to bed at night. I remember I said, look, I'm not gonna put my phone on to not disturb. If you wake up at any point in the night and you just feel like texting, just buzz me. I'll wake up and I'll text. Um, and then I woke up on Monday morning. I was up early because I was just I just wanted to hear from him. And then I got the call from the hospital. The hospital I knew it as soon as my phone rang. I recognized the hospital's number and they just told me that he had passed away. Don't know when, but it was that day, the 12th. So the last I'd heard from him was the night before. And then everything was just upside down after that. I, I remember I started shaking and thinking, today's going to be a day of many phone calls, so let me buy some airtime. Literally, I, the first thing I did was buy airtime. No, the first thing I did was text him, thinking it was going to make a difference. Um, what did you say? I said, come on, with a lot of exclamation marks, and I was like, please. And... I just remember sitting on the floor that whole day, just confused and in a bit of denial, but in a lot of pain. And I had to tell his family. I didn't think that when I was taking him to hospital, I was putting my number down for them to call me for that. Um, I had to tell his best friends who are in Cape Town. And yeah, I just remember and, and I left that day I left the house that same day and that was literally my last night and my last time at the house the day he passed was the day I put suitcases in my car got in my car and I drove to my sister's house and then my whole life has been different since yeah I never really talk about the last days with him and the day of his passing because I think that's where a lot of my pain sits the most is over that the last few days they were so filled with anxiety like was I doing things right and I feel like I had no clue it was our last days together and even if I had known that you know hope would never allow me to think that that's what's going to happen when his coffin was coming out of the car because it couldn't be there for the service because of COVID regulations. So I only saw the coffin for the first time at the graveyard. So we went there. We had the church service. It was very quick. And then the undertakers came and we all went to the grave. And that's the first time I saw him. And I was like, this is crazy. The last time I saw him was in the hospital. I was holding his hand. I said, I love you. He said, I love you. And now there's just this box. I remember shaking my head. And I think, I don't know. I, I sort of think I knew that that is what has happened. And I've accepted that this is what's gone on. I think I was just like, this is unbelievably painful. We were together almost eight months. 
Um, he passed away on the 12th of July and on the 19th of, of July we would have been together eight months, so about seven months. This person that I was with every single day, having porridge with every morning, having tea with, watching shows with, just wasn't there. It just felt weird. It felt like a bit of assimilation, really. It just... It felt so strange for so long, but I immediately knew I need therapy. I started therapy, I think, a week after the funeral. Because I was like, there's no way. I'm navigating. I, I always knew, my therapist always says this, like, now death for you has a face. Like, I've always been clear, you know? I know death is a thing. I've been to funerals. People have passed away. But now it has a face. Sisipo put her life on hold. Wild thoughts, school and withdrew into her grief for months. But eventually, when she was ready, that safe space she had built, that circle of women, was waiting to welcome her back. I took a while. So he passed away in July. And I... I, did, I think I had a first wild thoughts towards the end of the year. How did you know you were ready? I I have a weird addiction to feeling like I've been useful. And I thought a wild thought is going to make me feel useful. Because at wild thoughts, I'm impactful and I need that. I need to feel like a human being who's capable of doing something. So my therapist also thought, are you sure you're ready? And I was like, I can try. But I was also a little worried now. After he passed away, my following grew so much because he was loved by so many uh, South Africans that I was so worried that I'm just going to have people come who just are going to remind me that I'm grieving. And it wasn't like that. Wild Thoughts was still that amazing safe space that I'd always loved. And it still continues to be. I felt like a human being again because I'd taken a break from everything. I'd taken a break from my studies. I was due to write an exam the day after he passed. So when I was looking after him, I was studying as well. Um, and I remember the morning after I got the news, <laughs> the lady from my school text was saying, hey, are you ready to write tomorrow? And I was like, um, this just happened a couple hours ago, so I won't be writing. <laughs> and it took me a year to write that exam. I wrote it, no, less, no, I wrote it in, in February, I think, this year. It was a sexual identity exam. I actually aced it. I got a distinction. But it took me forever to feel like a human being again. And that first wild thoughts, I was emotional. I felt emotional going to it. I felt emotional before everyone arrived. Like I'm about to experience people again and experience things that were things when he was still here. And I was nervous about that. But it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. So we spoke about the quote, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And I was like, how true is it for you guys? And how do you feel? A lot of people obviously seeing it from the perspective of breakups. Um, and I see the quote differently. Oh, I saw it very differently at the time because I literally lost. Like, he, you know, I literally lost someone. And at that time, I was at that place in my grief where I just wished I'd never met him. 
And so the quote for me was not true, didn't resonate. I was like, nope, nope, not better. But because of the way that I saw it. From the perspective of grief at the time, I thought, I wish I never met this person because I'm in so much pain. And if I never met them, I wouldn't be in this pain. But I think I see it a little bit differently now. And I'm a little more grateful than I was at the time that I had the session. Um, now I'm starting to remember more of the good things about the relationship and it's not so clouded with loss and trauma and sadness. So I guess now the quote is more true for me than it was back then. Um, with this, even with this conversation, because we have to wrap it up now, I wanted to say something. Have you ever lived in a unhappy environment, an unhappy home, whether it's for a day or two, or you've been in an environment that you hate it? Could be your aunt's house. Current, that's your life, right? So I always think about my relationship with my body this way. I remember being on a sleepover. For me, I, I think I've always grown up pretty much like happy in terms of where I've lived and who I've lived with. But I once went on a sleepover and I was so, I could not wait for my mom to come pick me up. And the relationship with your body is like constant. If it's bad, it is constantly being in an unhealthy environment. You can never get out of it. Your mom is not picking you up in the morning. You're not turning 18 and going to live at Reds. You're not getting married and moving out of living on your own. It's an environment you can never, ever leave. It's an environment you can never escape from until you die. But even then, I don't know what happens after that. But having an unhealthy relationship with your body is constantly being in that environment that you just pictured. That environment that when I ask that question, you're like, that's currently where I am. And everything, you can never escape it. And that's the one thing that... I think about when I'm, I'm in a destructive place with my body is I can never leave. I can never, ever leave. And when I'm miserable, I just know it's like, I always say this, I say, I say it all the time when I'm in therapy, I say, I want to leave my body so badly. I want to jump out of it so badly. But, and, I, and I'm clear that that's a direct relationship that I have with everything that takes place in it. Now, this is all encompassing. This is my emotions. This is everything. Yeah. But. The, if I were to leave you with something today, it is to make sure that the only, and really it's like, it's the only, it's the only what do you say about rent paid and it's your, it's the only place you have to live, whatever the hell. I myself that you're active. All that shit. All that stuff. But, but think about it this way. It's being in an unhappy home and it's your home. It's not someone else's. It's not your mom's this time. It's not your partner's. It's not an external unhappy home. And then it is therefore your duty to make the environment you can never escape as healthy as it can be. Whatever what that, that looks look like for you. Whatever that looks like for you. If that means respecting your boundaries, if someone is touching you and you don't want it to be touched, that has a direct effect on your relationship with your body. Sisipo okay. is a third-year university student, currently studying for two degrees, sexology and digital marketing. Sexologists specialize in human sexuality how we think, talk about, and have sex. She has a plan to use the platform that she's built through Wild Thoughts. To educate young girls about the pleasures in sex and not so much the... I just feel like there, there is a lot of the... 
abstinence chats and the STD chats and the STI chats, but I want to teach more. Sex is also for you to enjoy. Like I really, really want to educate young girls on the beauty of sex and not everything they need to stay away from and that they need to stay away from boys who want this and this and the safety of it. I, that aspect is important, but I also feel that our relationship with sex is important. And I want young girls to know that sex is also for them. It's not just for the pleasure of the person they are having sex with and to prioritize their boundaries and their own pleasure. So I would want to educate on the, the beauty of sex, the relationship with sex, intimacy. Like I really want to, to sort of educate when it comes to that. I like to have sex with someone who puts my pleasure first. That's what I like to do. I'm putting yours first. You're putting my first. It's going to balance out. I want you to have a good time. You want me to have a good time. And I'm going to prioritize my pleasure as well. If what you're doing is not going to work for me, don't do it. Then we can get to the nitty gritty. Then I'm going to tell you I like head and I like it like this and I like it like that. But first, I need you to honor my boundaries. That when I don't like something, I am going to tell you that I don't like something. Um, we're going to dance. All right. Wait! <laughs> It's time to learn the choreography to Girls Need Love by Summer Walker. The hook, girls can never say they want it. Girls can never say how. Girls can never say they need it. Girls can never say now is the cue for the woman to step forward and begin a slow, essential routine that includes rolls, dips, drops, and floor work. It's so crazy. I always feel in the session, I have no pain. I don't get tired. I've done sessions in my heels from beginning to end. The minute I stop, the second I stop, the second it's over, I can feel my headache. I can feel the back pain. I can feel the neck pain. I can feel the pain in my quads. But the adrenaline and the love for it keeps me going for so long that I know if a session was longer, I could keep going. It's just the second I stop. But during it, I have all the energy in the world. The dancing part for me is one, fun. Two, a way to let go if the conversation was heavy. Um, I guess three, form of exercise if people feel like they want to do something fun to exercise, but that's not really that important to me. The most important thing for me about the dancing is the aspect of conquering something, feeling like you did something you couldn't do. People be like, I'm so like I'm so stiff. I don't know how to dance. I'm not, I'm not able to do that. And then realizing that they can. I'm excited to see what it's going to be. I just know it's still gonna grow at some point i want to have my own studio and i don't know it's just my baby and i it's not going anywhere i have you know i'm in a tricky place with wild thoughts i want to do so many other things with it branch it out have more um consistent sessions maybe even more sessions i want to be able to have wild thought sessions for bigger black women um and it's, everything just stays in my head until I do it. And I think I sometimes 
struggle with the courage to get started and i'm quite complacent with i know i'll have a session next month it's gonna sell out as usual and then i'll have another one next month and it'll sell out as usual but i know that then there's pressure on me from me to do more so wild thoughts is i just know it has so much more potential still now it's amazing and i love it and i just know that i can do more it's just about actually doing it Sissy Paul is dating again. And my therapist thinks that Lissahod ruined me a little bit. But now I've really experienced intention. And it feels like everything else is crumbs. I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm a little bit doomed now. And But the other thing is now I know when someone wants to be with you, they are, you're going to know. Thank you for visiting Golden City. If you liked this episode, like, follow, subscribe on all social media and streaming platforms. If you love this podcast, give us five stars. I'd love to feature you on Golden City. To submit your story, go to www.goldencitypodcast.co.za. See you next time.